I also want to sing that song. So let's do this. Mary, did you know that your, come on, your baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know? Sons and daughters, did you know? <laughs> I, 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 I literally, on the way to church this morning, got out my iTunes and I start playing it and over and over again, try to remember the words. And anyway, they're in there somewhere. So um, awesome song, but we're gonna answer that question. Mary, did you know, okay, in this, in this message here. And what we're gonna talk about is a promise and uh, all started with a promise. And I wanna pull out a scripture actually from the story that we're going to read because one thing that you know about God is that he always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. So I, I, I wanna pull out this verse, and we'll read the whole story here in just a minute, but it's so powerful, I thought I'd start with this. And it's verse 37 in Luke chapter one. And this is the angel had just given the news to Mary, the mother of Jesus, about she's going to deliver Jesus. She's going to actually become pregnant with Jesus. And this is what the angel says to Mary. Verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. You can know this. And no matter how long you've been walking with God, that this is a truth that God will never fail you. God will always come through for you. You can depend upon him. You can trust him. He's faithful. He's able to work out situations that you couldn't work out on your own. You can depend and rely on church. Amen? God is faithful. And that's what we're going to see in this series, that God keeps his promises. And specifically, we're going to look at how he keeps his promises to Mary. And in this, we're going to uh, see that there's some promises that are not contingent upon our faithfulness and uh, what we do, but there are some promises that are dependent upon something that we do. So for example, with salvation, it's dependent upon faith, not works, but faith. God offers salvation to everyone. It's a free gift to everybody, but not everyone is going to experience that promise. It's only for those that put their faith in Jesus. So it's dependent upon that idea right there. It's dependent upon faith. Reminds me of a story of uh, back 2003, I went to college at Central Bible College, which now has emerged, merged with uh, Evangel. May it rest in peace. It's, uh, it's gone. So it, it, it died in, I, I probably shouldn't say that. I probably shouldn't say it died. Um, it merged, okay, it joined with Evangel in 2013. So, but I, I was, um, from 2003 to 2007, I went to Central Bible College. I worked really hard, four years of studying, going to classes. And when you go to college, you hope to get something at the end. What do you hope to get? A diploma, yeah, you get a bachelor's degree, or whatever you're going, you get a degree. So I worked really hard. You know what I got at the end of my four years? Not a diploma, not a degree. Everybody say, aw. Yeah, feel sad for me. Okay, there were three classes that I didn't do and I didn't finish. I got a job at James River Church and became one of the, um, the, high, the high school pastor there. And uh, so I was like, oh, I, I won't need her or whatever. But I worked really hard, didn't get a diploma. I'm, I'm happy to say that I did go back in its final year, right before it merged with Evangel. And I did, ended up, three classes turned into seven classes, but I did end up getting my degree there. But the whole idea of going to college is you go there to get a diploma. Somebody didn't just hand you a diploma. You've actually got to do some things in order to get it. And some of those things with God's promises are the same. 
That God says, hey, I wanna bless you, I wanna help you, but there's some things that we need to do in order to experience and to be a part of those promises. And that's what it was with the story that we're gonna look at with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I wanna start by looking at the promise that was made. It's actually found in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter seven. Okay, this is where the promise was made. Verse uh, 14, so Isaiah seven, verse 14 says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Okay, so this is the promise here. I couldn't help but when I was, I was thinking about and reading this verse, this is a common Christmas verse that you, we would typically read around this time. And when I was reading it, it kind of hit me that when Isaiah was pinning this on a piece of paper, he probably was thinking like, man, wait, a virgin's gonna give birth? Like, how is this even gonna happen? Like, that's not how this thing works. And then not only that, but this virgin's gonna give birth to God. <laughs> like, God is gonna be with us. Like, this is starting to get crazy. I mean, I can't help but think that Isaiah was, was probably like, God, you don't wanna come down here. It smells, it's cold half the year, and interest rates are through the roof right now. God, you do not wanna come down to earth right now. But yet he pins these, these words, and this is the promise that was made. 700 years later, okay, so we're gonna fast forward to Jesus' time, okay, with Mary. All right, so 700 years later, we're gonna see how the promise then was fulfilled. Okay, so we're gonna pick up a story in Luke chapter one where Mary is greeted by an angel, Gabriel, where she's gonna receive news that she's gonna be the one that delivers this baby um, that would soon deliver you. Okay, Luke chapter one, verse 26. This is what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Everybody say favored. favored. You who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor, everybody say favor. Favor, favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? When she had the birds and bees talk, she knew that, like, how is this possible? Legitimate question. Okay, then it goes on to say in verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the Spirit of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. That's that part that we read earlier. Then this is, was Mary's reply, and this is the part I really want you to focus on because this message all hinges on this verse 38, okay? It says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So this is a powerful fulfillment of that, pro that, that prophecy, that, that promise of Isaiah 7. It talks about Jesus coming into the world. But what I wanna do today is I wanna focus in on Mary's 
story. I want us to have a conversation about Mary specifically. Because as I read this story, and I've read it many, many times, and as I read this story, I began to ask the question, why did God choose Mary? Like, why did God choose Mary? There's something that popped out like this, this time for whatever reason. When I was going through this, I was like, why did God choose Mary? Because I mean, it didn't have anything to do with her name. Because Mary is just, you know, Mary. It's not anything unique. You know, the, the Old Testament, the equivalent Hebrew word for that would be um, bitter. It actually means bitter. So, sorry if your name's Mary. <laughs> also means beloved one. So let's go with that one for you, okay? But there's nothing special about Mary's name. She's also from Nazareth. It's interesting that Luke has to qualify that it's a, a town in Galilee. The reason he likely does that is because it's an insignificant town. It only becomes famous after Jesus dies and resurrects, you know, because they knew he was from Nazareth. In fact, in the Gospel of John, the disciple Nathaniel says about Nazareth, when the other disciples came to him and says, hey, you should hear about this guy. We want to show you who Jesus of Nazareth is. Could he be the Messiah? And then Nathaniel replies back, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, this is a place that is not very significant. And so this is where she's from. So it could be those reasons. Like, why would God choose Mary? And so I asked that, that question, and we get some clues in that verse, verse 38, that we said we would focus on. Because as we look at, at Mary's response, it begins to pull back the curtain to her character. And how she responds to the angel, we begin to see some characteristics of Mary that are kind of unique to her. And tells us a lot about how God chose her and allowed her to participate in a part of his promise in bringing the Messiah into the world. So I'm gonna read verse 38 to us again. Here it is. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, when she says, I'm the Lord's servant, that's kind of a unique thing to say, especially back in that day. The Greek word there is doule, and it means maid servant, or you could say more generally, bond servant. And a bond servant was someone who would serve someone else, meet someone else's needs, but for nothing in return. They didn't receive any wages. And essentially what Mary is saying is, God, I'm gonna be your bond servant. I'll do what you want me to do, but I don't expect anything in return. You don't have to pay me. You don't have to give me any more promises. You don't have to do anything for me. I'm gonna give my life to your promises. I am your bond servant, Lord. And you know what? Mary could have responded, probably how I might have responded, was like, wait, what about my, what about my future? What about my career? What about what I want? What about, God, what, what about me? Me, I, I, I need you to think about me. This is gonna impact my life so much. But you know what? Mary doesn't do that. You know what Mary has? Mary has humility. Mary is humble. And that's the, the first characteristic that we're gonna look at. When you want God to work in your life and, and for you to be a part of the promises that God has for your life, the first thing that you need is Humility. So this first point is God promises, God's promises find the humble. God's promises find the humble. So here you have Mary. Mary doesn't feel entitled. She's not proud. She's not holding on to self. In fact, if you read on in Luke chapter one, she writes a, um, like, almost like a song. So after she has this whole greeting with the angel, she goes into this, uh, this song and, and Luke records it. And I'm just gonna read the, the first part of it here, but it, it tells us a little bit about how she views herself. Verse 46, and it says, And Mary said, 
my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. You know what she's saying? She's saying, hey, I'm nothing special. I'm not a queen. I'm not a political leader. I'm not this person of wealth. But yet God has been mindful of me. In other words, God noticed me. Now, that could be a whole sermon in and of itself right there. But God sees you right where you are. You don't have to have wealth. You don't have to have, have status. You don't have to be something significant in, the, in human eyes. God sees all kinds of people. In fact, he notices this humble servant more than he notices a lot of other people. And so that's what catches God's eye. But here's the question that I want to answer. Is there, is there any connection between her humility and God having favor on her life? Because it's the favor on her life that causes God to choose her to be the one that would bring the Messiah into the, the world. And I believe there is. If you look at other places in the Bible, you see this in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows, say it with me, favor to the humble. Okay, so there's this connection between humility and favor. Now you remember what the angel said to, to Mary, as soon as Gabriel greeted Mary, he said this, greetings, you who are highly favored. Okay, so she's favored. There's gotta be this connection between humility and favor. Proverbs says something similar to this. It says it in Proverbs 18, 12, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Love how the message par paraphrase says it like this, pride first, then the crash. But humility is a precursor to honor. So it's pride, then the crash, or it's humility and then honor. You know, God set up the world in such a way that when we're humble, those are the people that are gonna win. He's gonna make sure those, those people are the ones that actually get ahead. Those are the ones that are gonna experience the favor and the honor and the blessing. Jesus says this same thing in his famous Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter five, he says this, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Now, that sounds really good. Like, we're gonna inherit the whole earth. If you're humble, then you're gonna inherit the whole earth. You say, Nathan, what does that mean? I'm not real sure, but I'm gonna request an island, a tropical island, something like that. I mean, it's gonna be amazing. I mean, you think about the whole earth. Like, there's a, that's a lot of stuff. And God's gonna say, you know, I'm gonna give it to the humble. So what does this teach us? This is, the, this is the point right here. There's a direct connection between your humility and how much of God's favor is on your life. There's a direct connection between your humility and how much favor is on your life from the Lord. More specifically, how many and to what extent you experience God's promises. For Mary, for Mary, if she had only thought of herself, she would have missed out on God's promise for her life, because here's what would have happened. God's faithful, he would have kept his end of the deal. He wouldn't have kept the savior from coming into the world. God would have continued to fulfill his end of the deal. He just would have chose somebody else. He would just pick somebody else. But God chooses Mary because she's humble. Because you say, I'm willing to submit to this. God still would have been faithful, but Mary would have missed out. But instead, she is a part of God's promise because she chooses 
humility. Okay, so if humility is a part of us experiencing God's blessing in our life, how do we become more humble? Like, how do we have more humility? Because it's not just like an on and off switch. It's like we grow in humility. Romans chapter 12, verse three says this, gives us a bit of a clue. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. You could define humility as an accurate view of self. Because humility doesn't think less of self, but thinks of self less. Okay, you know, it's not like thinking down on myself. That's not an accurate view of who I am. I'm loved by God. I'm a child of God. I have gifts and abilities, and, but I'm also not God. I'm also not better than other people. It's an accurate view of self, not thinking less of myself, just thinking about myself less. You know, humility doesn't feel insecure when others do better. Humility accepts responsibility. Humility asks for help when needed. Humility sees the value of people in the world accurately, including ourselves. That's what humility is. And when we're humble, God notices. God sees. And that's when we begin to experience God's promises flowing through our life. He says, mm, that person can handle my blessing. And so I'm gonna work in their life. I'm gonna give them favor. I'm gonna let them experience and be a part of what I'm doing. I'm gonna let them experience my promises. Okay, so Mary has humility. What else? Is there other things that we see from this verse 38? And I believe that there is. Okay, so the second point is God's promises are activated by faith. God's promises are activated by faith. Okay, so the second part of verse 38 says this. May your word to me be fulfilled. Remember, this is the response to the angel. And so essentially what, what Mary is, she's saying is, I believe what you just said is gonna happen. I, put, I believe, I believe what you, you said. And she's not faking it. She's, these aren't empty words. These are real, genuine faith. She trusts that this is actually going, going to happen. And for us as Christians, we talk a lot about faith because faith is important to God. In fact, Jesus talks a lot about faith. He says this in Matthew chapter 21, verse 21. He says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. He had just done a miracle and the disciples were all impressed. They're like, man, how did you do that? And so he's, he's telling them, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. He says this, you could even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Like, let those words sink in for a second. Like, Jesus is saying that you could, if you've got enough faith, that you could actually tell a mountain to be picked up and thrown into the sea. That's pretty crazy. In 2021, uh, myself, my wife, and her brother all went and we, we hiked up a mountain. And I'd never hiked up a mountain before, other than like not real mountains, like Ozark, molehills, like those, like those kinds of things I had done, but not a real mountain. And so we decided to go to a real mountain. We went to Pikes Peak in Colorado, and we got up at 2 a.m., and we, we got on the mountain, and we arrived at the top at 11 a.m., so it took us quite a while, and uh, got to the top. And it was crazy, because now I look at mountains totally different. Because used to, when I'd look out the plane, or I was driving in on I-70 to Colorado, I was like, man, I feel like I could just, like, hop skip up that thing. Until you get on the mountain and you try to get up the thing. Like, now all of a sudden, it's totally, totally different. I look at mountains totally different. And so when Jesus is saying this, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is... This is massive, like that's, a, that's really difficult to do, I would imagine, to move a whole mountain into a sea. And I think that Jesus, this is his point. He's saying that anybody, anything that you would face in this life is gonna be less difficult than moving a mountain into a sea. And so you should focus on your faith 
Because if you can focus on your faith, now all of a sudden you can grow your faith, and now God can start working in greater ways in your life. So no matter what you face, God can come through for you because you've been working on your faith. Now you can say this mountain be thrown into the sea, and so whenever you're faced with a challenge, because you've been working and growing on your faith, God's gonna come through for you. He's gonna work in your life. I believe that's what Jesus is saying. And that's what Mary was experiencing. She was saying, hey, I believe that this is going to happen. I believe that this is gonna be a part of my life. And you know what? Faith is what brings his promises online. It's the activator in our life. You know, many of you are experiencing this right now. We just went through our, our overflow series and you've stepped out in faith and now you're giving in, in financially and you're, you're giving the tithe or above and beyond that. And now you're starting to experience a promise. So see how this works? You have faith, and so now you trust the Lord, and now you start to experience his promise. So we talked about this, Malachi chapter three, verse 10. So now you're experiencing this. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't even have enough room to take it in. So there's a promise right there, but it's only for those that say, you know what, I'm gonna step out in faith, I'm gonna trust the Lord, I'm gonna give the tithe. That, and some of you are experiencing that Right now, that's how it works. This is why Hebrews chapter 11 says, says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, not very often does the Bible say the word impossible. So it's really important for us to pay attention whenever it says the word impossible. Because if you wanna do anything for God, is what it's saying, is it's gonna involve some level of faith, some level of trust in the Lord. It uh, reminds me of this, this whole idea of, that faith, I just kind of had this thought as I was writing this message, that there are some things that require physical ability, right? And there's some things that don't, like that anybody can do. So that's this idea of faith, that anybody can do it. You know, if you ask me to um, dunk a 10-foot uh, goal with a basketball, I unfortunately am not gonna be able to do that, unless I have a trampoline or Pastor Zach picks me up and lets me dunk, okay? So that, that's not gonna happen. If you said to me, Nathan, I want you to grow hair on the top of your head. No matter how hard I push, it, nothing's coming out on the top of that head right there, okay? Except for one, one tends to come out every once in a while. And it's my, I told you about this. This is my one bang that I have. Sometimes I miss it. So, so unless that, ha I mean, I'm not gonna be, I can't physically do it. You know, if you, you said, Nathan, I want you to be a Bengals fan, I would say, get behind me, Satan. No, I'm not gonna be that. You know, I can't do those things, but you know what everyone can do and what I can do? We can have faith. We can trust. You can. All it is is an assertion of your will. Everybody can do that. Everybody, kids can have faith. Old people can have faith. People that are, that are, are um, business people can have faith. Stay-at-home parents can have faith. Single parents can have faith. Teenagers can even have faith. Okay, they can have faith. All of us can have faith. Faith. That's what's beautiful about it. That's why God set every, everything up by faith, that you would experience God's miracles. They're by faith. Because if it was for, if, you, if I had to dunk a basketball goal, I'm out, man. Like, I can't, I can't do that. But I can have faith. Doesn't mean it's easy, but you know what? All of us can have faith. That's what God wants to work in our hearts and our lives. Remind me also of these, um, these Christmas movies that are out right now. You probably have seen some of them. There's, I'm sure you've watched a few of them. They all seem to have the same storyline. Have you ever noticed this? It's like Santa, he's in trouble, okay? He needs rescued, of course. Santa, you know why? Because the Christmas spirit is low. Yeah, Christmas spirit is low. And so you know what doesn't work? His sleigh doesn't work. His reindeer can't fly. He can't go around the world in one night and give all the presents to the kiddos because people aren't believing 
and Santa. You know, I started to think about, that's actually a really good framework for how faith and God works. You know, what they got wrong were the characters and the mission, but that's very much how, how it works, that my faith is going to activate the supernatural in my life. But here's, here's the deal. We don't need more Christmas spirit. We need more trust in the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't need more belief in Santa. We need faith in the Savior. That's what we need. So they got the characters wrong, but they, and they got the mission wrong, but they got the framework right. That's how it works in our life. Whenever we trust in the Lord, man, that's when he begins to work the supernatural, the promises. That's when he begins to do amazing and incredible things. And that's what it was for Mary. God was working in her life because she trusted the Lord. That's where many of us can get stuck. But God is waiting on, to work in your life until you have faith. He's wanting to work in your life, but he's waiting on your faith in order to do that. You know, I was thinking about what Mary experienced. You know, she was having to believe God that she was going to conceive as a virgin and that she was gonna give birth to God. <laughs> you know, God with us. Okay, so God was coming into the world and she was like, that's kind of hard to believe and yet she has the faith to do it. Yet she says, hey, may your words be fulfilled. You think about that kind of faith is huge. And it makes what we have to believe for look kind of silly. Like, God's wanting us just to believe him and trust him with our finances. You ain't giving birth to God. <laughs> He's not expecting that out of you. He's just saying, trust me with your checking account, okay? Trust me, if you are generous to me, then God's gonna be generous back to you. That's all I'm asking. It's just trusting me. And when we compare our faith to what Mary did, man, it makes us say, man, I need to grow in my faith. But if you will, God will start to work in your life in amazing, incredible ways. Maybe you lost your job. Instead of looking at that as a tragedy and something bad, is say, you know what? God, this is an opportunity for you to show that you're my provider. Maybe you're, you're facing something with a health issue. It's an opportunity for God to say, you know what, I'm your healer. God, I trust you. I'm gonna believe you're gonna come through for me. Maybe you have a dream that's unfulfilled. It's an opportunity for you to trust and say, God, what dream do you have for me? I'm ready to get on board with whatever you want. Maybe you have a marriage that's on the rocks. It's time for you to believe that God can move a mountain. It simply starts with faith, trusting and believing in him. And that's what it was for Mary because there's no shortcuts to this. God wants us to grow in our faith and he oftentimes gives us things in our life that happen and we're, we're faced at a crossroads of whether we're gonna take the exam and we're gonna pass it or we're gonna pass up the opportunity to grow in our faith. And God says, okay, here we go. We gotta take the test again. It's the same one. You can't progress until you grow in your faith because God doesn't want you to leave any promises on the shelf. And some of, for some of us, the promises that God has for you are collecting dust right now because he wants you to step out in faith and trust him. I know it's a risk. Faith can be done by anybody, but doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't, it can be very difficult. In fact, faith comes easier for kids because they haven't experienced as much of life, right? For us adults, it's, it's harder. It's more challenging to experience faith, but yet that is the, the way we interact with God. And God will work in your life to greater levels as you trust him and you step out in faith in your your life. He's gonna work in you in a big way. All right, so there's this last one. So Mary has humility. Mary has faith. There's this last one here, this third point. God's promises are completed with courage. God's promises are completed with courage. Okay, so you can think of faith as the internal decision, and then you can think of courage as the external expression of that decision. 
Okay, so there's like two sides to one coin. Okay, so faith is the internal decision that you make of your will. Courage is the outward expression of that faith. So um, several years ago, we as a family went down to uh, Branson, which is the Christian Vegas. Maybe, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but check it out sometime. Uh, we went to Silver Dollar City, and um, my, my daughter Ella was uh, eight or nine years old, and she had never really ridden a real roller coaster, like, you know, a, a real one. So they, they had just come out with this one. It was called Time Traveler. Okay, I don't know if you've, you've been on that one, but it's pretty crazy. And so I wanted to ride it, and I'd never ridden it before, and it was, it was crazy. It's like a roller coaster, but you also spin as you go, you know, upside down and do all this, all this crazy stuff. And so um, I was like, oh, man, this would be so cool. So I'm in, like, the process, process of persuading my daughter to go on this, this roller coaster. So I'm like, oh, you should go. It'd be awesome. I could tell she was nervous and, and stuff like that. But finally, she was like, okay, I'll do it. She, she trusted me. She should not have trusted me. No. Yeah, because we, we go, wait a long time in the line, finally got on it, and I was having a blast. I was like, woo, yeah, this is amazing, this is awesome. And I look over to my daughter, just, <laughs> tears streaming down her face. It was awesome. Not awesome. No, I got, I was such a bad dad. So, um, but you know what she did? Okay, so this is a beautiful example of this. So she, uh, she trusted me, she shouldn't have, but she trusted me, and then, then what did she do? She acted on her trust. She had fear, she was nervous, but then courage overcame that fear, and she acted on it and actually went through with it. And that's how this works with us. Now, with, with that story, she ended up loving Time Traveler. We wrote, a, wrote it a bunch more times, and it was awesome and really, really cool. But, um, but you know, initially she was very nervous, and that's, that's the thing with courage, See, courage is this, this thing that it doesn't operate by itself. There's some other emotion that you have that you need courage to overcome. So you have fear, so you, so you need courage to overcome the fear. You have anxiety, so you need courage to overcome the anxiety. You have worry, so you need courage to overcome the worry. And, and Ella had fear, so she needed courage to overcome to be able to act. And for some, your, your faith is needing the courage to act. You need to step forward in what God has for you. For Mary... It didn't just stay as this like, okay, yeah, I believe that this is gonna happen. And then she goes on with her life. No, she stepped into something that was gonna be very difficult. Like she was gonna be pregnant and not married. And that day was very, very bad, okay? She was about ready to give up everything. She has so many unknowns. Like, I'm gonna give birth to God. What does this even mean? Am I gonna, like, this is, this is crazy. But yet she has the courage to step forward. Her faith doesn't just stay on the inside. Real faith is the faith that expresses itself on the outside. It's, it's where we take that step of courage, and that's what, that's what Mary did. And for this idea of, you know, sometimes people can think that courage is just the absence of fear, and that's, that's not it at all. You need courage to overcome those things. That's why I love what uh, Nelson Mandela said this. He said, I learned the courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. It's overcoming it. I know for, for, many, of, for many of us, God asks us to do something and we accept it by faith, but now we need the courage to be able to actually step into it. God's called you to do something. That, what is this gonna mean? That means I need to give up this. God calls you to, to start treating your spouse different. That means you need to give up a habit. Man, that's scary. That's, ah, but I need that. No, you gotta have the courage to say, no, I'm not gonna do that stuff 
anymore because I value this more. I, I value what God says. I believe that Jesus, when he said to love your neighbor as yourself, that certainly included my spouse. And so I believe that right here. So now I'm gonna step into that with courage. I'm gonna live it out out here. You know, for some here today, maybe you say, I believe, but you need to show the world and yourself that you really believe. Faith without action is dead. In fact, I love this in, in James chapter five, or sorry, James chapter two, it says this, verse 14, he just lays this out so beautifully. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well-fed, but does not know, does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. But show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. James is like dropping the gauntlet right there and be like, listen, <laughs> I'm gonna show you this by actually living it out. I'm not just gonna say I believe and then live like I want. I'm gonna actually show you what I mean. That means whenever you are at your workplace and you're around others and you're living for Christ and you're displaying a Christ-like attitude, you're being courageous. You're being someone that's living out your, your faith. You know, with your, your spouse, you're showing those actions, you're being courageous, you're giving the tithe, you're being generous, you're being courageous. All of those things are living out your faith. And while God certainly um, loves it whenever we, you know, or someone rescues someone from a fire, that certainly is courageous. When we think of courage, we can often think of that scenario. But what God is really looking for is men and women that are willing to say, you know what, I'm not gonna just say I believe this on the inside. I'm gonna have the courage to live this on the outside. And while none of us are perfect, God is looking for courageous people, and it's those kinds of people that God is gonna show favor to and give his promises to. And that's what he does for Mary, and that's what God wants to do for you and I. Okay, so, so Mary experiences all this, this blessing. She experiences this favor. She gets to be a part of the greatest promise ever, Okay, she gets to be a part of the salvation. She gets to deliver Jesus into the world. Pretty cool. But what about, what about us? Does God have a specific promise for us? And I believe the answer is yes, he does. And while I may not know the specific details of what God's promise is for you, I know that God has given a specific promise to each of you and to me. And I know that from Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. This is what it says. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's Ephesians 2, 10. So we're, we're God's handiwork. Like he enjoys working on us. Another translation says that we're God's masterpiece. When he looks at you, he sees a masterpiece. He sees an opportunity. He sees someone he values and loves. And then I love this, this part. It says, he did this, he did this in advance. Like he wanted to prepare these good works for us to do, our calling, these promises, all this stuff he wants for us. He did that in advance. So that means in eternity past, before all this stuff was created, before you and I came onto the scene, God was, took his pen and paper, so to speak, and he began to plan out what each of us were to do. He said, Scott Obrimsky's gonna plan a church. He said, Zach Green is gonna be a pastor. He said, Nathan Teagarden is gonna be drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> Just kidding. He's gonna preach. But God has a plan for you. He wrote down something 
they want you to do. And the question is, are you experiencing that? Are you walking that out? Are you living that out right now? And could it be that maybe if you're not living that out right now, because it's certainly God's desire, it's not that he didn't create plans for you. He did create plans for you. It's that we can miss those opportunities. Remember back that Mary could have said, no, that's not for me. I wanna do my own thing. Well, God would have chose somebody else. Jesus still would have come into the world. It just would have been through somebody else. But Mary said, no, 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 I, I want this. And it was certain characteristics that she had. Well, what were they? Humility, faith, and courage. And I believe that as we have those things in our life, as we possess those things, that God is gonna have favor on your life and you're gonna experience the promises that God has for you. So what are they? What areas do you need to grow in? We certainly all need, it's not like an on and off switch. Not like, okay, you're humble, you're not humble. It's like, we all need to grow in humility. We all need to grow in faith. We all need to grow in courage. Believe as you do, God's gonna fulfill his plan in your life. Let's take a moment, let's pray. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. Just wanna take a moment here for us to pray and take a moment for you to respond, for you to take that step of humility, step of faith, that step of courage. I want a chance to pray for you. And I believe God sees right where you are and, and the opportunities that are before you. If you'd say, man, I could grow in humility, I could grow in faith, I could grow in courage, any one of those, I want you to just slip up your hand. I know it might take courage to lift up your hand. Right now, you just lift it up. Yeah, that's awesome. Lots of hands. That's so cool. God, we just pray for every person that's hands raised. God, you see their humility, you see their faith, you see their courage. Now, Father, we just pray that you would grow it. God, I pray that you would help them to step into your promises. God, all that you desire, all that you want for them, the callings that you have, the purposes that you have, the plans that you prepared long in advance for them to walk in. Father, I pray that they would experience that today. Lord, I pray that they would, they would experience your faith, they would experience your courage, they experience humility in a greater way. We thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do. We pray it would be fruitful, it would be amazing that, God, you would do great things in and through them. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's everyone stand, if you could. We're gonna have the prayer team. Go ahead and make your way forward, if you would. We're gonna give it an opportunity for, for you. If you're here today and you, you need prayer, maybe it, it's something that you feel like God has promised to you, something that's going on in your life, and you're just waiting for that to be fulfilled. We'd love to pray with you about that. Maybe it could be something totally different. Maybe you need a healing in your life. You need provision. Maybe it's for somebody else that needs God to work in life. Maybe somebody you're inviting to the Christmas service, just pray for a divine opportunity to invite them or you've already invited them, just praying that they would come. Whatever it might be, we're gonna believe God wants to do something amazing in your life. And we believe as you step out, you have the courage to step out, God's gonna answer you 